today I've got a friend of mine who's not a stranger to this church, a guy who's a mentor of mine, who's a fellow pastor, pastor of a church in Raleigh, a great church in Raleigh for um, a lot of years. I don't want to put years on him, but a lot of years. Um, he heads up church planting um, in the state of North Carolina. In fact, he'll probably tell you in a few minutes how many churches we planted um, in the state of North Carolina. North Carolina is number one in our um, denomination, the Assemblies of God, in church plants for, our, for the country. Number one. This gentleman is responsible for that. Um, he's a mentor. He's a man of God. Today he's bringing a word to you that I know comes straight from, from heaven. So I want you to put your hands together and welcome my friend and your friend. Treat him today like he's me. Come on and bless him as he comes to the stage. Jim Kelly, come on, put your hands together. You can be seated. Good morning. Hey, uh, you know, I sit in church a couple times a month when I'm not preaching, and and every time the pastor gets up, he says, would you turn to your neighbor and say hello or give him a high five and handshake? And I'm always sitting there, I don't want to do that. But you know what? It's a good thing to do. So just turn to your neighbor to say, hey, it's good to see you this morning. Give them a high five or a handshake and tell them they look good. Speak it in faith if they don't, you know. It's, it's really good to be here. My, uh, my wife of 32 years is here with me. Uh, her name is Janet, the mother of our four children, all who are serving the Lord. Praise God. So, honey, wave your hand there. She's the one who says, make sure your zipper is up before you, before you get up there and do your thing. You know, the Bible says that we are to honor those who um, serve the Lord and have served the Lord. And it's so good to see Brother Altman here today and uh, Garner Altman Jr. And we just, just give it up for our former pastor, man of God. And I know that he would be the first to say, Pastor Mark and Kim have done a fabulous job here uh, at once was Calvary, now it's Epicenter. And would you honor your pastor today? Just give him a love, a love hand clap. And it just so happens that, um, and, and we didn't talk before, he didn't see my notes, I did, certainly didn't see his scripture, but I'm talking about David today. And so, how many of you know that uh, when God's trying to get a word to his people, he'll speak it more than once, more than twice? So, you know the word that you're going to get today is from the heart of God for you. Just point to yourself and say, it's for me. Because it is. It's for you today. We were talking about Goliath. We were talking about the enemy. I was in the enemy's camp this week. I was in Boston at Fenway Park, and I'm a Yankee fan. And I almost wore my Yankee hat, Garner. But then I thought, I don't want to start a fight, you know. So people say, well, why would you go to a Red Sox game if you're a Yankee fan? Because I got a free ticket. That's why I went. And it was awesome. Any, uh, any Yankee fans in the house? One, two, three, four of you. Uh, Red Sox fans. Two of you. 
Jesus fans. Okay, I think we need to stick to Jesus this morning. Well, I am, I am happy to be here and happy to preach the word. It's always an honor to, uh, to share the word of God with you. And um, as Pastor was saying, last year we had the privilege of planting 31 new churches in North Carolina. And uh, it's so exciting because these young pastors are green and, and they, they don't know a whole lot in and they, they're not very good at preaching and fundraising and this and that. And you know, that's a good place to be. Because then you have to rely on God, don't you? You can't use your own gifts, your own talents, your own abilities. You have to say, God, would you please help us plant this church? So there are new churches from Manteo all the way at the beach to uh, Asheville. And God's doing great things. And uh, you ought to be proud because there's young men of God and women of God women preachers that are knocking it killing it and i love by the way jamie playing the bass and and uh the drummer was a female too you all give it up for the band and they do a great job fantastic job well how many of you have been uh christians for uh more than 10 years raise your hand okay put them down it's like me uh more than 20 years raise your hand okay more than 30 years, right? Yeah, there's a few of you. We've been at this thing a long time, some of us. How many of you are brand new in the faith? Maybe you've come to the Lord in the last year or two. Raise your hand. Oh, that's so cool. It's so good to see. And, um, you know, sometimes I think, Pastor, we make this Christian life way too complicated. If you remember and you read the, the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, the Pharisees and the Sadducees always made it hard for people to serve God. Jesus comes along, turns everything upside down, and he said, it's pretty simple. He said, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what did he say after that? He said, and one more thing, love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple. How many of you want it simple? I'm going to make it simple for you today. Every church needs Three, and every believer needs three simple things in their life. I'm going to talk to you about that today. We're talking about David and what a worshiper he was. And uh, he had a fabulous heart after God, didn't he? He loved God with all his strength and all his might. Let me ask you, the pastor was talking about this. Is there a Goliath in your life? Is there something that's standing in the way between you and what God has called you to be? Yes, maybe so. I think for all of us, whether we realize it or not, there is a Goliath. There is a giant. There's something that is resisting the work of God in your life and in my life. People think that's a bad thing. No, that's a good thing because it makes you get on your knees and seek after God. It causes you to want to worship because you want to draw closer. How many of you want to draw closer to the Lord? You want to draw closer to His presence? I do. Why? Because I need Him every day. Because I've got giants in my life. There's fears just like you. Financial things that we're looking at. Cars breaking down. Things that need to be purchased. 
children that need to come to the Lord, all kinds of things. I don't know what your deal is, but you do. And let me tell you, God knows it all. He knows everything that you're dealing with. But the greatest thing that we can do in our lives, in your life, and in mine, is to worship the Lord. Isn't it amazing that when we worship God and put Him, what would happen if we put Him really first in our lives? Well, people say, well, I come to church. You know, I worship God. Yes, but what about Monday and Tuesday? What about Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, are we worshiping God? Let me encourage you. Don't be just a Sunday worshiper, but be a person who worships God on Monday through Saturday. As you're walking your dog, as you're vacuuming, the Lord speaks to my wife when she's vacuuming the carpet. She seems to get these amazing words from God as she's just worshiping and praying, and God speaks while she's... God doesn't speak to me when I'm doing that maybe because i don't do that enough but god wants to be with you in his presence in a very very powerful and effective way well before david was the great king of israel and the great giant slayer he was a worshiper his brothers he's the he's the eighth of the youngest of eight sons. How many youngest kids are here? The babies of the family. Oh, God bless you. He was the runt of the litter. The last one. In fact, when, when the prophet came to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel, the brothers and even his dad didn't even think about him when they were looking for the next king. And they said, well, it's not one of these seven. Do you have another? Oh, well, he's out in the field watching the sheep. Bring him here. He comes running in, and he's the one who is anointed as the king of Israel. One of the reasons why, I believe, is because David was a worshiper. So he's out watching the sheep when his brothers are, are sitting around dad's house, hanging out having fun with their friends and their girlfriends. What's he doing? He's serving his father. He's out in the woods. He's in the prairies with the sheep. Nobody knows he's there, and he's sitting there. It's cold at night, and it's rainy. Just imagine this. It's nighttime. David's out there with the sheep thinking, what am I doing out here with these stinking sheep? You know, sheep stink. There's a, there's a show on, on the Discovery Channel called Dirty Jobs. You ever heard of that? Being a shepherd was one of them. In fact, when Jacob and all the Israelites came to Egypt, Pharaoh didn't even want to meet with Jacob's sons because they were stinky shepherds. And Jesus says, I'm the great shepherd of the sheep. It's okay to stink a little bit because you'll stink like the sheep. You know, good pastors stink. Do you know that? Just say that. My pastor stinks. You know why? Because he hangs out with the sheep. He loves on the sheep. He's touching the sheep. After the first service, he's out there shaking everybody's hand, hugging everybody. He stinks like sheep. That's a good thing. Shepherds need to smell like sheep. So David's, you know, in the quiet. 
and he's, he's looking up at the night sky. And he's singing an attitude of ukulele. He's got his brother's harp. It's all beat up, you know. And he's looking at the night sky, and he's thinking, what can I sing just to entertain myself? And he's thinking about all the lions and the tigers and the bears that are out in the woods, you know. Well, actually, they're just bears and lions, no tigers. But he's out there, and he's, he's, he's got these, this lion theme. So he's, he's singing, uh, can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> you know, he's singing Israel's top 40 B.C. And then he's singing, uh, In the jungle, the mighty jungle. Sing it with me. The lion sleeps. Very good. So he's singing these top 40 songs, just trying to, you know, entertain himself. And then he thinks, you know, I know God's out here with me. And I want to worship God. So he, he grabs the harp again. And, he's, and you know, David wrote half the Psalms in the Bible, which are songs. Psalms are songs. So they're all to music. And he's probably, the, in fact, the Bible says he's writing new songs. And I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit, out of the miry clay. And I will sing, sing a new song. Couldn't you just hear him out there singing, worshiping, playing a really bad ukulele like me? Y'all give it up for David, not me. So David's entertaining himself, worshiping God. And he's thinking to himself, no one sees me. My brothers don't care. My dad doesn't give me the time of day. But I know my God is with me. And while he is out there playing the harp, he's also slinging stones. So, he, you know, he sets up these, all these things out there about 100 yards away, and he starts practicing, and he's missing really bad. But week after week, he practices his sling, and he starts to get good. Do you know the Bible says the best slingers of stones could split a hair in half from 100 yards? So he's out there practicing. Then he says there were times when lions and bears tried to steal my father's sheep. So I'm not going to let them steal the sheep. So he said, I had a club. And what I do is I take my club and I beat those bears back. And then if they'd start to attack me, the Bible says that he would grab their jaw and then he would pull them down and beat them with that stick. And he'd beat them till they were dead. Why did he do that? Because he cared about his father's sheep. He cared. Let me ask you. Do you care about your father's sheep? Do you care about the people of God? 
he's a worshiper but not only is he a worshiper he's getting better and better at slinging stones he he has that stick my grandfather was a brooklyn cop in new york and my mother who's 83 tells me the story of how these guys would come up to my grandfather and intimidate him and he'd pull out his stick guess what he did with that stick He'd whack him in the knee. He'd whack him in the hip. He'd whack him in the head. Whatever it took. But here's the story about my grandfather. My grandfather was five foot six, and you had to be five foot seven and a half or five foot eight to be a Brooklyn cop. But he wanted to be a Brooklyn cop. So you know what they did? They put him on, this is the honest to God truth. They put him on a rack and stretched his body an inch and a half. And they said, yeah, you're good. You're in. You're a cop now. That's how bad he wanted to be a cop. So he can beat people over the head with his stick. No, because he cared about his precinct. He wanted to protect the people. So here's David. He's practicing all these things, right? He's, he's worshiping. He's a, he's a fighter now. He's a slinger of stones. He's beating sticks, beating bears with sticks and lions with sticks. But nobody's watching. Except who? You tell me. God was watching the whole time. The whole time. Well, David was honing his gift out in the middle of nowhere. And God was preparing him all the time. Well, the word gets out that David is not only an excellent musician, but he's this—he's this amazing slinger of stones, and and he—he's a—he's a warrior. Now I want to jump into David's story. I want you to—do you have your Bible with you, or your iPad, or your iPhone, or your eye, whatever, your two eyes? Turn, if you would, with me to First Samuel. We're going back to that same book the pastor was talking about. First Samuel chapter sixteen, and we're going to read a little bit about David. 1 Samuel 16 kind of tells the story here. Look at this. Now, the Spirit of the Lord had left King Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. So some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician, not a bad musician, but a good one, to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music, and you'll be well again. All right, Saul said. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a stud. Well... The Bible says he's fine-looking, young man. And the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse, and they brought him there. And David served Saul as his armor-bearer. Now, let me share something with you. The day before, nobody knew who David was. The next day, everybody knew who he was. He went from... 
being in the middle of nowhere, watching his father's sheep, being faithful to what God had called him to do because his father asked him to do it. And then somebody says, you know, I've heard about this musician kid. He's a good-looking kid. He's brave. I think we could use him. And overnight, he becomes the armor-bearer of the greatest king of, the, of that time, King Saul. You say, well, what does that mean to me? Here's what it means. Your situation can change in a moment, in a split second. One day you could be one place, and the next day you could be another. One, one day you could be the lowest rank, and the next day God moves you on the fast track to becoming whatever. But the key is to be faithful when no one is watching you. And when it's easy to steal and take what is not yours, you say, no, I'm a man, I'm a woman of integrity. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be faithful to what my commander has asked me to do. And he who sees in secret will reward you. That's what the Bible says. You see, when no one else is watching, God is watching. So David is this amazing worship heart, young man, brave warrior that was all developed when no one else was watching him. Let's remember that in our own lives. Isn't that good? He was faithful with what God had asked him to do. He writes this song. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the muck and mire and set me on a rock. Let me tell you, young man hanging out at their dad's house, eating cheesecake and popcorn and watching the tube, don't write songs like that. You know who writes songs like that? Battle warriors. People that have been through stuff. People that have been through tough times write great songs like that. That's the way I want to be. How about you? A worshiper of God. Secondly, not only does every church and every person need to be a lover of God and a worshiper of God Monday through Sunday, secondly, we've been called to connect to one another in the body of Christ. You guys say that in your epicenter. You say, hey, we're connected to God and we're connected to one another, don't you? Every Sunday. But here's the deal. Are you willing to connect with people that you don't want to connect to? And I'm going to show you from the scriptures that God sent people to David that were not on anybody's come-to-my-party list. You see, most churches run from people with problems, challenges, struggles. They don't want them in their church because they say it's just going to be more trouble. But here's what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to not only me, but you and Epicenter today. And it's this. If you love the ones that nobody wants, God will send you the people everybody wants. 
say, well, we can't, we can't take any more people in the church, more poor people, broken people, uh, people that are out of war. We can't afford to do it. You can't afford not to do it. Don't you ever worry about God's provision, whatever he calls you to do. I mean, you just reached 15,000 people a few weeks ago for Jesus. You say, well, how, how in the world are we going to pay for that? How can we afford that? Do you know, with every great vision, God always brings people to underwrite that vision. And today you have no debt from that outreach. In fact, there are people who want to give more towards that outreach because they know it's a God thing because you're reaching people nobody wants. But here's the key, church. If you love that, I had, listen to this. In my church, I pastored, Janet and I pastored for 30 years. We were at um, RCC in Raleigh for 27. And one Sunday morning, there was a guy who came in, was sitting like on the eighth row, ninth row and he was all tatted up his arms were all tatted up he had piercings everywhere you know when the air conditioning went on you can hear the whistles blowing you know just all the holes and there was a woman and daughter who were sitting next to them to this guy and they got up and they moved because they were offended that this person had tattoos and piercings all over their body you know what that offends me that offends me how about you that's wrong so these two men sit in the church and and one's on the third row and he says lord i thank you that i tithe and i thank you that i serve and i thank you lord that your blessings on my life and and I'm just blessed, and I don't care about these other people. It's all about me. Praise God. Then there's another uh, lady in, in the 12th row in the back. She says, Lord, my life is a mess. I have, I'm broke. My kids are a mess. I have no money. My husband's left me. But God, you are all that I have. And I turn, and she's hanging her head. I turn my heart to you. Which one is the Lord going to listen to? For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And my prayer is that this church would love everyone that walks in the doors. Be they broke, be they homosexual, be they pierced, be they tatted up, whatever. You see, I, I was one of those kids. I was 17 years old, and someone invited me to church, and I was messed up, drunk, a thief. You, you fill in the blanks. Somebody invited me to a church just like Epicenter, and the first Sunday I was there, I walked the aisle and gave my heart to Jesus. The first Sunday, because I felt the presence of God. And here's the weird part. The guy who invited me, I didn't want to be around him because he was not cool. He looked like a white Urkel. Figure that out. 
And he would follow me home from the bus and say, you need to come to church with me. I'm like, bro, get away from me. He's like, you got to come to church. Okay. After the 40th time I went, and the first Sunday I got saved. So what does that tell you? It tells you that if you bring people here, they'll sense the presence of God. I did. I saw people lifting their hands and worshiping, and they gave their hearts to Christ, just as I did. How about you? Sometimes we can be saved and in this thing so long, we don't care anymore. And I'm telling you, Epicenter, we've got to care. Because there are hundreds and thousands of other people in this city that still need to be reached. Still. So well, we're doing two services, and I don't know why. You need five services. Five. To reach these people. People like me who, who is lost. People like you. How many of you are grateful that God saved you, huh? Give him praise, huh? Give him praise. So, so let me show you, let me show you this amazing scripture. Who came to David and who first uh, he attracted? You, you got to see this. Turn in your Bible to, oh gosh, let me find it here. It is First Samuel. I got to get my glasses out because that's my age. All right, um, turn in your Bible to First Samuel twenty-two. First Samuel twenty-two. If you don't have your Bible, look up on the screen. I want you to see this incredible group of people that David attracts, and they're not the the uh, red carpet kind of people. Let's say that. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. So David was running from King Saul, as pastor said earlier. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming. Now look at this. Look at this. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was captain of about 400 men. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see this. Those messed up people that met David in that cave years later became some of Israel's greatest, mightiest warriors in the history of Israel. see, we need to see people not as they are, but what they can become. See, that's the eyes of faith. If you're a worshiper and you're loving people and you ask the Lord for this, he'll show you, he'll reveal to you, you'll see things in people that they don't even see in themselves. And we need to be encouraging them. Hey, the Lord is with you. God's working in your life. I see this in my two boys' life. They're 24 and 21, my younger boys. And they, they think, you know, all hell is breaking loose against them. I'm like, bro, you're going to make it through. It's going to be okay. There's life after this challenge. Just as Pastor was saying, he, he came through here. Maybe he'll come through again. How many of you know God's faithful? His promises are true. So you may be here today and thinking, well, you know, I don't want to connect to 
my relative or my cousin or my uncle. I don't even like being around those people. God says, I'm going to send you people. Maybe you're not going to like them at first, but you're going to love them. You're going to care for them. You're going to encourage them. And do you know what? God can take those people, though broken, and have all their challenges and turn them into mighty men and women for the kingdom. Amen? He can do that. But you have to see beyond the present need. You've got to see them as Jesus sees them. Not as a problem, but as a person. You see? So, what do we need to be as believers? We need to be worshipers of God. We need lovers to be lovers of people. Thirdly, and you're not going to like this one, but this is the truth. Every church and every person needs a, a Goliath in their life. You see, why is that? Because when you face your Goliath, your fear, your doubt, your challenge, it's only going to make you stronger. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, after you've done everything to stand, just stand there. And you be tough. And you be strong. And you don't give in to the enemy's lies. Because every day, he's telling you, you're broke. You're no good. Your marriage is not together. You think you've got it together. You don't. He's lying to you to break you down. So here's Goliath. He's standing there. He's like, you're going to send me a kid out here? I'm a mighty warrior. Who does this kid think he is? He says, kid, I'm taking you down. I'm going to cut you up and feed you to the birds. Well, what did David say? He's like, hey, buddy, how are you? The Bible says he ran to the valley. He didn't walk. He ran. So all the soldiers are up above, and he runs down to the valley of Elah, Elah and he faces his Goliath eyeball to eyeball. And he's saying, who do you think you are? I'm taking you down. I'm going to cut you up. And David says, I don't think so. Because when no one else was watching, I was slinging stones. And I was hitting my target. And not only that, when lions and bears came to steal my father's sheep, I took them down. I pulled out my grandfather's old stick. Wham! took him down. You think you're tough? Hey, buddy, I'm in the name of the God of heaven, I'm taking you down today. So Saul's thinking that he's going to fight with, with the king's garb on. He's like, I can't, I can't wear your stuff. I'm only going to do what I'm good at. So what does that mean to us? Stay in your lane You've got a gift. If you've got a gift from the Lord, raise your hand. You know it. Use the gift God has given you, the, the gift that you've honed when no one else is watching. And you take that sling, and you take that stone, and you stand, and you face your enemy. And he whispers lies, and you say, no, in Jesus' name, the Word of God says, I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I am not going down today. And David took that stone. Bam! That was a big boy. I'm sure it made a sound. 
And then his pastor said, he took his own sword. He took Goliath's sword and cut off his head. So what do we need in our lives? It's pretty simple stuff. We need a God to worship everyone, right? We need a people to connect to, right? And we need a giant to conquer. And I'm telling you right now, you, you may be there and saying, I don't have a giant to, yes, you do. Because everyone has challenges that we face every day. So the question is, what will you do with that challenge? My encouragement to you is to stand strong. Ephesians chapter 6. After you've done everything to stand, stand with the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. And face your enemy eyeball to eyeball and say, you're going down today. Amen, church? Stand with me. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Because we all have challenges in our lives. But the first thing we do, as Jesus said, is to love the Lord thy God with all of our hearts. And one of the ways we express that is through worship. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us on our internet campus today. We'd love to hear how this message blessed you. You can send an email to admin at yourepicenter.com. You also have the ability to donate to this ministry if you go to www.yourepicenter.com. Again, thank you for joining us and have a wonderful day.